Welcome to the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio. It's your host, Rocky Rockliffe. Co-host uh, Chuck Cook will be along shortly. Uh, it was in his calendar, David. Uh, he, so he should be back. He was in Peru last week. I think I think this is the first uh, live show we've, we've had probably uh, like in a week or two. I mean, because uh, Chuck was in Peru. I was uh, down at the detention center where I spend more and more time trying to get people out of immigration detention. Uh so uh, yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be live today. We got a, I got a lot to uh, a lot to talk about. But uh, David, do you have? We haven't had a gardening minute for the people who listen to the show for the for the gardening updates only. We got to give them something. We got to give the people what they want. So give us some gardening tidbit today. Uh, my tidbit is that my garden continues to produce, but it has been a very very poor garden. Uh, this year, and, and my tomatoes have been uh, having problems. I do have four cantaloupe that are coming along. Okay, all right. And uh, I continue to get zero corn. Uh, something got one one ear that was corn's coming like, along. It, corn's hit or miss. Uh, yeah, and it's I've been missing. And you've been missing. <laughs> uh, my uh, my cucumbers, which normally continue throughout the season, are basically dead. My snap peas have died. My beans are still doing well in producing, and I gave the whole garden a shot of uh, fertilizer a couple of three weeks ago, and so it seemed to help a little bit. But uh, and my okra has been extreme. I should oh, ha- I should great. be having I should be getting a batch of okra daily, and uh, it's just not happening. It's just not producing. No. You know whose garden is producing? Chuck's. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, a, he is. I mean, he's running a harvest operation over there. Well, I Every, think he ought to. <laughs> I think he ought to uh, put up a little sale uh, stand. A little sale stand right and, outside. Yeah. Uh, right outside his driveway there. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. He I'd would furnish he would, the tent. He would definitely sell stuff because every time I come in, uh, when he, when, you know, when he's around and not out gallivanting uh, the world. Uh, He's always got a basket of something that looks great in the uh, kitchen at our office. Tomatoes, squash. Oh, speaking of that, I mean, how's your all's move coming? Uh, oh, to, my to gosh, David. Office? You know, if anybody anybody listens to the show, uh, you know I was in the process of moving. Uh, everybody asks me now, hey, you all moved in? No. Uh, well, I no, I mean the office move. Oh, the uh, office move. Oh, office. My per- I thought you were asking about my personal move. No, no, no. I, um, I, office move, too. It's a, Time of big change. David, you moved studios. Our office is moving. It's moving my personal residence, everything. Uh, our, our move uh, seems to be going well. Uh, we have people come in here and there to uh, decide what's going to be packed, what's not going to be packed. We have post-it notes all over pictures in the office. Uh, yes, no, meaning if it's going to the new office. If it's not, people can claim them. Some of the artwork we have in our office is somewhat... Dated. <laughs> I don't know how much I can talk about that. I guess, uh, but yeah, it, it seems to uh, you know the easy part is before it's it's once you get into the new spot that uh, at that point it uh, becomes a little bit more of a challenge. And you know, obviously, my personal move as well is uh, has gone well. We're we're in our new in our new house. Boxes still everywhere. We have furniture in the right spots, and uh, they're not coming to hook up my cable, David, until the eleventh. I mean, that's a week away. I mean, that is crazy. Comcast. Yeah. That is crazy. That's crazy, but I have a live internet signal to the house, so I was was able to peruse some uh, topics for the show last night uh, because we have to give the people what they want here on the Immigration Hour. David, what's... uh I haven't been. I haven't seen too much mainstream news lately. Is this uh, is this stuff that's on the southwest border? Is it still? Uh, 
Is it still popping on the mainstream news as kind of a crisis thing? I know two, three weeks ago it had hit really kind of a, a fever pitch in terms of, uh, you know, mainstream was talking about it. I obviously see stuff about it every day from uh, just because of, you know, what I do. Uh, so is it, is it still kind of a big topic with the with the mainstream? Oh, media? yeah, and I, I think they uh, they had a very interesting thing on from Texas today. Okay. Uh, or it was it happened yesterday, but it, it was – and it's hit YouTube, as a matter of fact. I um, – and it, it, they said Sierra Blanca. Sierra Blanca, in, in my thing, I used to ski Sierra Blanca, and it's in New Mexico. But I, I and I'm not familiar with the town of Sierra Blanca. Oh, are they and, talking about the family detention center? In, no, no, or, no, no, no. Okay, something else. This was a truck driver, and and I, quite frankly, when I was in Texas, I don't remember internal checkpoints in Texas, uh, which the. Um, Border Patrol has. Uh, oh yeah, they're not, all over not now. Not just in on the border, but you know, all five over. miles, ten yep. miles, or whatever. So this driver, and like I said, this his little video has gone viral on on YouTube. But mm-hmm. he pulls up to the checkpoint, and he's like he said, he's going through them constantly as a truck driver, and he has a, a, a video cam on his camera on, on his, his uh, glasses. Yeah, I've seen this. Yep. Have you seen the video? Uh, I, maybe not the one you're talking about, but there's several uh, several truckers that have done this, where they pull through the the security checkpoints with the camera. You can tell it's mounted on something on yeah. the head because it moves with yeah. The, with so, movements. Uh, yeah. So he gets there, and the and the uh, our border patrol guy comes up to him and says, uh, you know, are you carrying any illegals with you? <laughs> And you're tr- I mean, this is a pretty, you know, this isn't Illegals. exactly checking. Yeah, you know? yeah, illegals. What, and, uh, uh, Soviet deep cover eight Yeah, agents, so, so the guy says, or? no, it's only me, but do you really care one way or the other? And the guy said, no, we can, and and can you could you do anything about it? And he said, no. And this is the Border Patrol the gentleman border patrol yeah, saying, it. our hands are tied. We can't do anything anyway. We just have to ask. Yep. Well, I mean, David, there's so many problems with that on so many levels in terms of, A, if you can't do anything about it and you're just there to ask, why are you doing it? Because uh, last time I checked, uh, setting up checkpoints like that costs a little bit of money. I well, mean, dude, this was a building. This was, no, uh, yeah. You know, well, I mean, it's – it's, it's uh, I've never If you're not doing that. anything, it's, it's, it's a complete waste of money. That's but, David, they have checkpoints. I mean, temporary checkpoints that they set. I mean, semi – I would say semi-permanent. I mean, they'll put up the, you know, the big uh, clamshells and stuff like that on the side of the road. And they'll the, – they have the authority to do warrantless searches up to a certain distance from the uh, from the border. I mean, it's just – it's it functions – it's the legal equivalent of the border, uh, you know, in my estimation, deep within the United States, because I think once you pass that border checkpoint, I don't, I don't think there should be any type of Fourth Amendment ex- exception or anything like that. But you're right, David. Even if they, uh, I mean, they're overwhelmed. They don't have the space to, uh, no, to detain they're, people. They're babysitting now. Yeah, they're just babysitting and just, just sucking up, sucking up resources. Yep, sucking up resources because that's that's what this is. It's just a, uh, it's 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 a way for. Uh, Way for the state to enrich itself and uh, increase the uh, scope of its authority uh, in our lives, David. And so, uh, unfortunately, some people are exploiting this uh, this crisis. But David, I want to delve a little deeper into uh, into what's going on down there. And kind oh, of, uh, to answer your question, yes, yes it is still is in the news. Still, still a big big topic in the Definitely. news. Yeah, I, I figured it was because I had a conversation with uh, one of my buddies uh, that I, I served in the military with, uh, who really really close friend. Uh, and he uh, he 
he doesn't really see too much mainstream news. We have a lot of the same political opinions. Uh, and he asked me last night uh, when, we were in, uh, when I was talking to him, hey, what do you think about this whole thing uh, on the border with all these kids? You know, I, I don't really see too much news, but, I, you know, I peripherally, you know, I, I know it's kind of a big deal. You know, what do you uh, – I want to get your take on it because, you know, it seems like everybody that has an opinion, these talking heads on TV, or it's one side or the other. You know, you have these people on one side of the spectrum who are like, oh, just, you know – just sort of kill them all, deport them all right now, you know, just put them back in the river, uh, you know, all the way to the spectrum of people uh, on the other side of the spectrum, people who are just let everybody come in. Uh, and, you know, he obviously, uh, you know, at thinking like I do a lot, uh, thinks that, that it's the solution and what's actually happening is is somewhere in between. And, you know, our, our, uh, our conversation was – it was really good to talk to him to kind of get uh, a layperson's view, I guess, of, of how the whole uh, whole crisis is unfolding. Um, because I think you know we, we we talk about it frequently on the show, David. Is the pro- one of the bigger problems here is that people don't actually know what's happening. Part of the reason why uh, why the, why this is happening is because our immigration system is broken. Uh, I don't think that's a secret to anybody who listens to the show regularly. But it also has to do with uh, you know as we've talked about you know numerous times before, it has to do with the uh, situation in these countries that the majority of these kids are coming from. That the it's it's that bad in these countries. I, I don't think we're getting the truth in just what you said. How many six-year-olds do you know, or four-year-olds, or ten-year-olds, or twelve or fifteen-year-olds really? Could walk a thousand miles. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not necessarily that they're walking the thousand mile journey, or even from, they're but, getting a bus. But, uh, listen, ride. I think that those you think numbers. Think it's the counties that are bringing them in, and well, I mean, they're obviously they pay people. I mean, I talk to these people every day, David, and it's my. This is anecdotal again. I obviously, have, I mean, this is just what I see, and and based on you know my conversations with people. This the notion that it's you know six year olds and seven year olds, yeah. As the, it's an influx of just these real minor children, is not I don't think is entirely entirely accurate. A because I don't think there's that many bad parents in the world that would just entrust their child uh, to to just you know make this journey uh, northward uh, all by themselves. What it is is it's a lot of uh, unaccompanied children who may be with a sibling who is you know 16 or 17 years old now. I'm not necessarily saying that a 16, 17-year-old child is 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 like a parent, but they're certainly more responsible and able to uh, make that journey with a sibling who's much younger. So, but I, I just think the whole thing of it's a bunch of six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds just influx is it's. It, I don't think it's true. Okay, with with this in mind too, um, and and obviously you've been been cut off from uh, cable uh, <laughs> which is it, very pleasant I yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, you know i should probably do more of that but uh today it came out uh, as well in the news that uh, they're closing down fort seal and they're closing down some of the other places what's happened to them uh david a lot of them are just being paroled out i mean it it's so much more uh, like yes. They're being given amnesty, basically. For no, they're that. no, they're not. No, they're not. It's it. it I, I'll tell you. Uh, well, just, they're being given freedom to roam our country. Nope, I wouldn't even say that because this is what uh, a perfect example here. Uh, this is obviously anecdotal. It's just it's just one tale, but it is uh, it 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 in the overall. 
this is this is what ISIS and CBP's policies. There, I went to uh, reporting yesterday with a young lady who entered with her four-year-old child. Um, they're not in the business of detaining little children. They don't want to do it. Okay, uh, she was let out on the border after about two days of you know being processed. Uh, came here to Atlanta, was given a report date. How, how did she get? From, so she this was she Texas? has family. She has family here in the United States. Okay, so but she came in through Texas. Or? She came in through Texas. Was okay, apprehended so then, at the border. Okay, and then essentially, family I think. Uh, no, just traveled. Traveled here via air. Uh, I mean, you have you can get David. You can get on an airplane. The only thing they're doing uh, with uh, checking your ID at the airport is to make sure you're the person who's buying the ticket. Inter- Thank the Lord we don't have internal travel controls yet, uh, where the government's checking your status as a citizen or non-citizen. The, when you, they check IDs at the airport, they're just checking to make sure you're the person who bought the ticket and that you're getting on the plane. That's all they're checking. So a lot of these people will come by bus. Family members will sometimes drive and get them. That's you know how they get to where they're going. You know, it, the government's not paying for that. I mean, the government's just releasing these people. Uh, you know, telling them like like this lady I went with yesterday, uh, she was given a tie. Uh, she was apprehended at the end of June, and was released with her daughter and given a time to report to uh, an ICE office here in Atlanta. She's under no obligation to do that. She could just say, "Hey, I'm," you know. She could have given a false address or just move to some other address, and they won't find her for years. But she went to the reporting. And what ICE is doing is they're putting these people on ankle monitors, so they're not free to roam. Uh, they'll be on an ankle monitoring program for up to 90 days, at which time ICE will, depending on the procedural posture of the case, ICE will uh, reevaluate whether they want to continue with the uh, ankle monitor. I'm sure that they will because it's a, the ankle monitoring program is a cash cow for the contract company that, uh, that runs it. Uh, so they're doing that a lot for, uh, for, for, for recent arrivals. I, I, think that, I think that's a good thing, David. I, I don't think we should be in the business of detaining people. I mean, I'm against immigration detention as a whole uh, purely because we don't detain people for any other administrative type of proceeding. Okay, we don't so where, where we don't detain from? people for. Uh, she's from uh, uh, Guatemala, and I mean it, that's that's really rep- her and her situation is very representative of people who are coming in. It's a mother with a young child that has some family members here who who may or may not be uh, you know in some sort of status, but obviously have a life here and are willing to uh, to to take her in, and and that's the way it should be. She was given uh, a notice to appear. The husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get into any two more detail. She has family here and family in, in Guatemala as well. Um, but uh, her husband was actually here. Uh, he had he had made it in successfully. Um, you know, she was obviously unsuccessful. But the bottom line is this: is that, uh, and I know we need to take a break here. And and I oh, what good, I don't we? what I really want to do is I want to compare the, what's happening to uh, you know something we talked about previously on the show uh, the Maria the Mario boat lift uh, from the eighties to to give people kind of a a, 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 a an idea of, of the numbers involved here. Let's take a quick break. Come back and uh, talk about this. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to The Doctor's Lounge, where you get a 
private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio. Host Rocky Rockliffe, still not joined by uh, co-host, uh, co-host Chuck uh, Cook. He uh, is in the wind right now. We haven't heard from him. Uh, but as I was talking about a little bit, uh, a little bit earlier, I really uh, – we had talked about this I think probably two or three weeks ago on the, uh, ago on the show, Chuck and I did, about the uh, the current crisis and, and kind of the numbers of people involved uh, in comparison to the uh, Mariel boat lift. Uh, the Mariel boat lift, uh, kind of by way of background for people who may not uh, know what it was, it was basically kind of a mass exodus of uh, Cubans uh, in 1980 between you know April and October, about a six-month time frame uh, where – Cubans were just departing in mass uh, for the shores of the United States. We welcomed these people uh, with open arms. There was obviously some controversy surrounding it, but nothing like the the backlash you see against the uh, Central American uh, individuals arriving, uh, you know, this year and last on the uh, southwest border. But you know, we had the the Mario Boatlift was was a success. We 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 welcomed those people into our community. They assimilated into uh, uh, the vast majority of them assimilated into uh, the Miami population. Others going other places. Uh, but you know, the numbers of people there. You know, a lot of people say, oh, these this this wave of uh, illegal uh, immig- undocumented immigrants from Central America on the southwest border right now is is nothing like we've ever seen, and it's it's going to just they're just going to overrun us and. And, and it's just not true. So let, let's look at the numbers really fast. So you had uh, from April to October, uh, and, and these numbers obviously are, are not necessarily comparing apples to apples because the number of people, the, the percentage of the population that the Mario Boatlift represented uh, was a uh, – the population was very different. So uh, the difference is actually going to be even greater here. But – so from April of 1980 through uh, through September of 1980, in a, basically a six-month period of time, almost 125,000 people came to the U.S. <clears throat> I mean just, just like they are now on the southwest border. They just came by boat, okay? 125,000 people. We look at uh, the uh, – <clears throat> The statistics that uh, the Customs and Border Patrol has put out, you have a uh, fiscal year 2014 through June 30th uh, on the southwest border. They have these – they have crazy statistics. (laughs) The way they identify people is other than Mexicans. you, about a hundred and uh, hundred and fifty four thousand okay so just a few more uh, during roughly the same time period as the Mario boat lift okay the Mario boat lift wasn't like a I mean those people assimilated fine they didn't overrun our society or anything like that there's obviously a few more people here but we probably have I mean probably 25 30 percent more of a population now uh, than we did in in, uh, in 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 1980, when uh, when the Mario boat lift happened, so this two this this 150,000 here, whatever it is, other than Mexicans that uh, that they're ta- that CBP is talking about, meaning the people from Honduras, uh, Guatemala, and El Salvador, are uh, 
are probably a smaller percentage of the overall population in this country than the uh, the Marielitos were, the, the 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 people who came from Cuba. So for people to say that this is a crisis uh, like we've never seen before, that it's uh, something that uh, we, we have to do, you know, we've got to deport these people now because they're just going to overrun our country. I mean, it's just uh, it's it's just without merit. A lot of people will also say that you know these people are going to come in uh, and eventually stay, take our jobs. You don't have to look very far to see that. Uh, I mean, there's um, and you can just get this off Wikipedia uh, about the Mario Boatlift and the the effect on the Miami labor market. Uh, and you know, look up there. You know, every, obviously everything you read on the internet is not true. Okay, <laughs> but Wikipedia by and large has some uh, has some good sources, and you can look at the sites and see where it comes from and and kind of judge for yourself. But um, the uh, obviously the, the unemployment rate rose uh, a little bit uh, over that period of time when the Marielitos came in, uh, but no more so than it rose throughout the rest of the United States. I mean that was a recessionary period uh, for the economy, so it by and large it didn't really have any great effect or any statistically significant effect on the Miami labor market. And in my opinion, I don't think that uh, this you know wave of uh, of uh, new immigrants from Central America are going to have any statistically significant effect on the labor market um, here in the United States either. Uh, by and large, uh, these people that come from Central America uh, and, and these lower, uh, you know, countries that are lower on the, the the economic scale, if you will, are coming here to do unskilled labor. That's not something that we can export. And there's always a demand for unskilled labor here, whether it's you know, uh, you know, just general labor for construction or you know, cutting grass. You know, you can't export cutting grass. You can't export uh, the physical building of a of a residence or or uh, some other commercial property those those people have to be here um, so I, I don't think that it will have any sort of statistical uh, statistically significant effect uh, on on the labor market here in the United States so you know getting back to uh, you know another argument that a lot of people make uh, against uh, you know immigration reform in the in the broader sense, and you know what's happening now with uh, on the southwest border with all these you know people coming in is that oh well they're just going to consume so much of uh, our social safety net, and while that may be true, okay, while they may uh, consume portions of the social safety net at a greater rate than others in the population, uh, you know as I told my friend last night. That is a problem for the welfare system, for the the system of uh, you know the social safety net we have. That is not a problem for the immigration system. And what a lot of people don't uh, don't get either, um, and uh, you know, longtime listeners of the show will know that Chuck and I have discussed this frequently. That if you are undocumented in the United States, you cannot get social benefits okay you don't qualify for food stamps you don't qualify for any type of uh, uh, Medicaid or other state uh, subsidized uh, medical care you don't qualify for those things you cannot get them now I know there's you know as my friend brought up uh, last night you know uh, he was talking to somebody about how uh, sometimes that he his friend works in an ER that they have to treat people who are unable to pay now that is, I, I've always been honest about this. There, that is the only portion of the social safety net that undocumented people can consume is emergency medical services. Now, whether that is statistically a statistically significant portion of the outlays of uh, you know state funded medical care, I don't know. I don't think it is. Uh, you know, so 
it, you know, if I'm wrong, obviously find me on the internet, email me, and, and tell me I'm wrong about that. But uh, I, I don't think that that is something uh, that's uh, statistically significant enough for us to base immigration policy around on it. Now, full full disclosure, Chuck and I have talked about this before on the show as well. When people do come here and they're undocumented and they have children who are U.S. citizens, sometimes those people uh, will apply for food stamps because of their income level. They will qualify again. That is a if if that is what you're going to seize on to say that we need some sort of immigration reform or that these people coming into our country are overwhelming our social uh, you know safety net. That is a discussion for the social welfare system. That is not a discussion that needs to happen in the immigration context because guess what, folks? There's way more people who are U.S. citizens with U.S. citizen parents who are consuming that welfare than people who are U.S. citizens and children of uh, undocumented immigrants. Okay, that's just a fact. I mean, the number. I mean, there's no way that that number could could be could be greater. And whether it's a bigger percentage of the of the target demographic is irrelevant. That's a debate for the social welfare system, not for the immigration system. And to 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 point to those problems, those collateral effects of uh, undocumented immigration, as a reason why we should turn these people away, or why we you know we should deport all of them, or reform our system to make it even harsher, uh, or even or to essentially break it even more, I think is a red herring, and I don't think is uh, intellectually honest. David, you look like you want to say something. David is chomping at the bit over there, folks. Go. What you got? No, you know, with our staff of thousands here at America's Web Radio, thousands, uh, thousands, thousands, uh, they're they're little bitty, but they're you know they're they all count. No, you know, you you and and I've been very blessed that you and Charles uh, Charles started the show and and uh, has certainly put a spotlight on immigration that. You know, I, I would be waving the banner like all the people on Facebook and, and the different people you hear. I keep asking and I keep wondering, why is the media not telling the truth in the case of immigration or showing, the, uh, showing this portion of it? Just like you said. Now, I would assume, from what you're saying, and, and, I, and not even assume, but agree that Okay, so we got immigration, then we got the welfare, and we got the the social, uh, as you were calling it, uh, umbrella or whatever that mm-hmm. that will take you know, and and people will take advantage of it. Absolutely, uh, they will. So if you subsidize assume, something, David, you get more of it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I would assume that our that we they could shut off food stamps to illegals. Well, the the, the thing is, like I said. People who are here, uh, undocumented aliens, are are not able to get food stamps. Their U.S. citizen children qualify for food stamps. And so you couldn't take the food stamps that are being issued for those children without it affecting... Uh, but you could there there could be a law changed and say well you but you know. see I understand what you're saying but that law wouldn't be successful because that would be a violation of the equal protection clause of the Constitution David so, people who are similarly you know. situated U.S. citizen children uh, you would be treating them different based on the classification the immigration classification of their parents and that would be a complete equal protection violation and I'm not necessarily saying I would disagree with something like that I'm just saying that that would not be but that's um, not an immigration issue. That, exactly. That's a social welfare so, issue. So why is it? You know why? why? No, I'll even go further than mainstream media. Why are the congressmen and congresswomen 
not standing up. You know and, why? And all they're just doing is pointing he, at immigration. Yep. You know why, David? It's this. It's because there's very and and this is true. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some fellow practitioners under the bus here. <laughs> not practitioner. No, no. That it's it's even true within the the immigration field. Okay, in this line of work that I do, it's people have an agenda that they want to advance. Okay, um, and nobody wants to acknowledge the negative externalities that are associated with the viewpoint that they're advancing. Okay, now example of that, David. I'm an open borders guy. Okay, but I do not put my head in the sand uh, when it comes to the negative externalities associated with something like that. I fully admit there might be some negative externalities of it might have an effect on the job market for uh, U.S. citizens who engage in unskilled labor. But I've, I'm fine with that. There, there's no problem with that. Let's. Uh, we, we need to take a quick break. We're, we're run, we keep running over. We just got so much to say. Uh, we need to take a quick break, and I'll come back and elaborate on, on why I think it is that uh, people on both sides of the issue are not necessarily being intellectually honest when they make their arguments. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national... Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to... Uh Third segment here on uh, the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. I was talking a little bit before the break, uh, David, to answer your question about why is it that the media is not uh, being honest about uh, but it's what's, not. It's not just. The it's media. not just the media. It's no. it's politicians and it, and it's even attorneys uh, in 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 my field who uh, defend immigrants. Uh, I see it uh, from government attorneys who are representing the government who are just trying to deport people, run people through their deportation machine. Nobody wants to sit there. Uh, everybody wants these bright line rules, uh, these bright line you know uh, policies of well, this you know if. Uh, Perfect example of uh, of the bright line stuff. Where that just doesn't. It's why the system doesn't work because there's no room for discretion. We had the deferred action for childhood arrivals uh, that came out two years ago, with the the requirements you had to have entered before uh, June 15, 2007. You had to have been in the U.S. June 15, 2012, when the program was announced. You had to have arrived to the U.S. before you were 16. Had to have graduated from a high, graduated from high school, still be in high school, or have a GED. Uh, and then they threw this other cap, other requirement on top. You must uh, be under 31 years of age. 
what that that's 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 stupid, David. But that's what we have these crazy bright line things. Everybody just wants to make these bold uh, bold policies. These what makes somebody who qualifies who's just under thirty one more deserving of that treatment than somebody who's just over thirty one? What why is that? And it's indicative on all these other. You have the you have government attorneys who just want to deport everybody. You have immigration attorneys who just want everyone to stay here. And nobody wants to, and and, I, and, it, and the same thing goes with politicians. Nobody wants to have a debate about about the actual issues, what the actual issues are. You know, you have bleeding heart liberals on one side who are just like, let everybody stay, everything's going to be fine. And then you have people on the conservative end of the spectrum who are just like, deport everybody. I don't care if they've been here twenty years and they have a business and a family and a home. Like, I don't care to get them out of here. They broke the law. Well, that's not the right answer either, David. But. Nobody wants to have a debate about what the actual issues are because they're all so afraid of the underbelly of their argument. That that that's what they're like. Like the people on the left of the spectrum, they don't want to admit that. Guess what? There might be some negative economic externalities associated with a mass influx of people, namely uh, displacement in the job market, namely uh, an overconsumption of uh, social welfare benefits. Uh, incre- you know, increased strain on uh, on on the education system. They don't want to acknowledge that, so it prohibits them from having an actual debate about what the issues are. Uh, and just like with people on the other end of the spectrum, the deport everybody now, they don't want to actually admit that uh, in that there may be people who have broken the law to come here, but have really made something of themselves. We don't need to be deporting people who, like this morning, I'm, I'm back. After, as soon as the show is over, I'm going to run down to uh, the, uh, the the ICE office here in Atlanta to file a, uh, a uh, an application for a stay of removal for a guy who was just picked up driving without a driver's license. Uh, he has three U.S. citizen kids. He is he owns a construction company and actually employs people. He owns a house. And the guy's been detained by ICE for like two weeks because they're trying to deport him because when he – because this is why – he took a trip in 2007 to Mexico, David, to visit an ailing relative. When he was coming back in, he got caught at the border, and they ordered him removed, put him right back into Mexico. And you know, he, he, he came right back in the next day because his wife and children were here, and he owns a business and a house here. I mean, I, I would have done the same thing. But there's, there's people on that side of the spectrum that don't want to admit that, hey, guess what? Even though this person broke the law 20 years ago or five, you know, seven years ago or whatever it was – there's no reason to have such a harsh consequence of well we got to deport them you know and so they don't they don't want to admit that the underbelly of their argument that there's a lot of them that are contributing that they're not all criminals that they're not all coming here you know as drug smugglers as drug mules so that david and then and and that plays out uh, whether you're in the media on one side or the other whether you're in congress on one side or the other nobody wants to have an intellectually honest debate about what the actual issues are and 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 I obviously have my viewpoint but I know and fully recognize that there are some negative externalities associated with uh, with my viewpoint Sonora. oh my goodness folks it is I brought two guests. Chuck <laughs> is here and his son Phil as we like to call him in the Phil office Philly, big Philly big, style big Philly style <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, this is part of the uh, uh, the multi-generational approach to the practice of immigration law. 
How are you guys doing today? We are doing excellent. We're David, here I brought you a cucumber from that the garden. Garden update. We the gardening update was was uh, slim to none with David. How many vegetables we just put in the car? About 150 pounds. Oh, oh yes, love it. Yeah. Love it. I must have 80 pounds of cucumbers delivered in there, and 150 pounds of tomatoes and. Peppers are hey, how your, t- your tomatoes have done well? My, I had a great tomato. Weird, my pepper plants are gorgeous. Oh, my pepper plants have gone But they crazy. have no peppers on them. Oh, I got <laughs> lots of peppers, but that's they the way awesome my okra flowers, is. Though. I have the okra, I have beautiful stalks of I okra. I big honking okra. And, and uh, it has... Corn didn't do that well. Corn's been terrible. And my tomatoes, um, one of our gardener show Joe's. people said that that, it, that blight has been bad. I didn't have a blight problem at all. Uh, the first. leaves have just died. Oh, my, yeah. mine are all died, but I mean, I got so many tomatoes off of them. My problem is I've been gone for the last yeah. 10 days in the great country of Peru. And we noticed As a result, uh, I went down the street. I told everyone you'd give an update. The ground. Uh, if Rocky, Rocky's a big cherry tomato fan. I've got Huge. about 50,000 cherry tomatoes. <laughs> cherry tomato guy. Uh, your your cherry favorite. tomatoes, though, are like they're not cherry. They're huge. They're, they're, I mean, they're like large. <laughs> they actually explode yes. in your mouth. Yes. Uh, Excellent. Well, well, uh, Phil, Phil's an attorney as well, isn't he? Phil's no, starting no. law school next week. Oh, Multi-generational law. approach to the practice. That's it. That's, it's, it's, uh, reminds me of a movie quote. Uh, you may know the movie. It's how to rich stay rich. Keep it in the family. <laughs> I, you know, we were just uh, – I, I wanted to make a point. About what you were saying, yeah, right? and I'm going to ask Chuck the same question, yeah. and, and so he but, can respond. You to know, it. Uh, uh, I farmed for for a number of years out in Texas, and and I had Mexican labor, and I've never considered. I may be a racist, but I'm I'm an individualist. Okay, yeah. and, and take each person as on their own merit. But with that being said, you you brought a thought to mind that that I used to have all of the time, and people can, you know, is Mexican labor would come in and work on the farms, and we had a pretty good system back then. They they were green cards. They were you know they were legal. Well, they, they, they were legal. They were temporary agricultural workers. Yeah, yeah. But, it was yeah. totally Anyways, different back then. But I don't think it was the Bracero program no, no. after that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the the thing that I kept telling, not only telling myself, but thinking as farmers would get together for coffee and and make different remarks and all this and and I look at the same people today that are making the same remarks be it on Facebook or or on mainstream media or whatever and I I know I don't address you all because I respect you all for being bilingual but I would have Mexicans coming and working for me their English wasn't necessarily perfect but they spoke a whole lot better English than I spoke Spanish. Spanish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or actually, And But I learned. I learned some, you know. But then I looked at the people that were the biggest critics, and I said, well, you know, you can barely speak Texan. Can you, <laughs> can you speak uh, uh, Spanish yeah. at all? And they couldn't, you know. And, and so, you know, that was a... Maybe I'm putting it in a simplistic form... No, I mean what you're that saying. goes exactly with what what we were talking about, David. Yeah, and it's it's a very easy judgment to say, well, you know, they should all go. Well, no, uh, you know. Well, yeah. It's, uh, so just so Chuck can, can can hear what we're talking about, David asked me the question earlier, and you'll, you'll see how kind of that fits in. Of why is it that in the media and and you see it in our field too? Uh, why is it that you have 
there's not no real debate. Nobody's actually talking about the issues. There's, the truth isn't really being put out. And, and the reason why I think that is because I think that people that are on you know one side of it are you know the the, the bleeding heart liberal types of just let everybody stay. It's all great. And then the other side of deport everybody now. Neither side wants to acknowledge the negative externality to the underbelly of their argument. The people on the you know one side don't want to realize that, uh, don't want to admit that, hey, yeah, there may be a strain on the social welfare system if we just allow everybody to come in. And then on the other side... But you that's know, a the, social the, welfare no, no, system we, argument. We t- exactly. But argument. we have the people on the other side who want to deport everybody. And I, I was telling David, as soon as this is over, I'm going to go file a stay for somebody who has you know, been here for years, only violation is traffic stuff, owns a business, home, three kids... Uh, three kids born here, mar- lives with the mother, lived to, married to, lives with the mother of the children. But there's people on that side, that, the, the deport everybody now crowd, who don't want to admit, I think, and it kind of goes with the people who didn't really want to learn Spanish, who don't want to admit that there are many success stories for these people who are, quote, you know, air quotes, folks, breaking the law to come here and live. And, and that's what I don't think that they want to admit. And so I think that whether you're a politician, whether you're in the media, whether you're an immigration attorney, you're in this field, you fall into one of those camps and, and it prevents people from having an intellectually honest debate about what the actual issues are. Let's not talk about, you know, like the social welfare thing. Let's not talk about the uh, the broken immigration system in the context of how it's a strain on the social welfare system. Keep that argument in the social welfare arena. Yeah. And but let's have talk you, have about you immigration. Once, have you once heard on mainstream media... And Charles, I asked the same question. Heard anybody, be it a politician, be it a, an announcer, an anchor, or anybody else, say it's it's a social welfare problem? No, no. no, no. Why do they say it's no. an economic issue? No, no. They, 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 they really is. No, exactly. it's no, really no. An they will say issue. that. They will say it's an economic issue because... They're coming in and taking our jobs. <laughs> well, that's, that's a side. Well, that's a side. You, you that's a side tangent to the, to the you, you social don't hear welfare. That much thing. anymore, but yeah. you know, it's having. I just spent the last two weeks in Peru, you know, a country from which we have immigrants. Yeah, Peru is actually in the, I think top ten or twelve source countries for immigrants in the United States, both undocumented and, and documented. Uh, and uh, it's just interesting to be there and, and to be part of that culture and understand it a little bit better. And to come back here, and of course, I kept in contact with Facebook and. The, the, the comments that people said that things seem to have gotten uglier in the last ten days, which is odd. And I love my favorite thing. It seems like everything ties into immigration, David. That's just one word. Here's, ha- here's how one word. One thing: <laughs> Ebola. Oh, David was already asking me off okay. there. Comment: okay. Ebola. <laughs> Ebola turned into an immigration conversation on last night's talk oh radio. Oh my gosh! What? Yeah. You know, they're bringing Ebola on the southern border. Guess we what? people <laughs> coming in from countries where there's Ebola. <laughs> okay, what, what, what is, okay, whatever. It's, it's a immigration, it's a hot-button issue, and no, anybody that wants to talk about something, they just 237 people from countries where there's Ebola. Right. The key word, we caught them. Yeah. Okay? That means they're either gone or they're in the process of being deported from the United States. Do they have Ebola? I assume we test them for that. I said we test them for everything when they come in the country. That's the very interesting thing is these are people go through thorough medical exams. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and of course, the Central America they bring diseases here. These kids, well, of course, we all know that there are actually better vaccine, higher vaccination rates among Central Americans than there are in the United States today. Uh, and yeah, they might get chickenpox, but uh, that's right. usually adults that get chickenpox right. because they've had them as kids 
and they're not immune again. Different you strain of chicken different varicella strain. But yeah, it's it's really been interesting to see. Um, uh, you know, the, this tone is, it seems to have gotten. Uh, you know, it's going to get even difficult. worse though because Obama's going to announce pretty soon. I think something. And oh no, you, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get well, really King, ugly. Who was confronted yesterday by a dreamer? I don't know if you saw. With, this. Did they have? Did they have cantaloupes? Uh, uh, no, drug bales besides cantaloupes. I understand, Mr. King, that you would like to get rid of DACA. Here's my card. Would you like to tear it up? And his response: I don't do that. His his car, oh his EAD. She, his gave, she gave him her DACA card. His EAD, the EAD, the, EAD card. The, the employment card. I don't okay, do yeah. that. <laughs> you know why do you want to come to our country in a lawless manner? She says, I was eleven when I came. It was eleven, or I don't uh, break laws. And I'm three, or or I was sixteen. I mean, it, it, what are you doing now? It, are you a problem? Me last night, I was actually watching a rerun, or no, the DVR recording of uh, a John Daly show, a John Stewart show on Daly Show, and he had George Takai on there. And he answered, I read your book, it's very fascinating, but one that really got me was when you have when you're five years old. And what happened when he was five years old, he went to sit through an internment camp mm-hmm. as a five year old Japanese kid from California. And they said, We're going to Arkansas. I said, I thought we were going on vacation. That's a stain on our national the heritage. Thing that, the thing that really touched me the most, that really I still remember today, is being in my classroom in this internment camp in Arkansas, saying the Pledge of Allegiance every morning, and looking out the window of my school guard and seeing the, the, the guns pointed at us from the guard towers. On the fence on the outside. You know, they're Americans. We don't, oh, we don't I, all treat Americans. Yeah. I just thought that was... All Americans are not equal. Let's take yeah. a break here, a final break on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It's always a joy to be here. I felt terrible that I was late. I'm not going to be late next week. I'm not, I'm not going out of town for the next few weeks. You're not going to be here. We're going to have a full live version. Well, you know, week. you brought up, oh, you know, this, 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 the tone, it seems to be getting more difficult, right, right. more terrible. And, and Friday, of course, the House of Representatives voted. To basically deport everybody, do away with DACA. Uh, uh, they allocated money for the child crisis, but they did not actually allocate money. They moved money from the Department of State's funds for refugees mm-hmm. and moved it over to ICE to deport the kids. So, yeah, I mean, 
you know, these guys are. And what was interesting, they couldn't get enough votes on Thursday to pass this bill until they made it worse. <laughs> until they made it the most vile, <laughs> despicable, horrible bill to ever come on immigration yeah. out of the House. For, it was it was a anti-immigration guy's wet dream. Is yeah. what this bill was. <laughs> Yes. It has zero chance of being on oh. the president's desk. It will never be signed into law. Yeah. A gigantic waste never of time. Get through the Senate, and it's, never it, get through the Senate. One thing I saw was fascinating yesterday uh, was the numbers of white people in America. David, how many? what is the percentage of white people in America? Do you happen to know? I, no, I don't. 75% of Americans are white. It's 75? I, I wouldn't have thought it was that much. Yeah, 75% uh, of Americans are white. Are you including Asians as white? No. Really? Wow. Well. Uh, and um, the idea was, why didn't Romney win? Romney got all these white votes. Well, Romney apparently did not get as many white votes as Reagan did back in the day. Percentage wise. Why did he not? He win? got the highest number of white votes. Uh, and it went said, well, if he just got a few more white votes, if he just got more Democrats than Republicans would be are white, he'd win the election. It went through this really long analysis. The other analysis was, was basically this: bottom line is, you can't get enough white votes to win. No, you just can't. Nope. It's just it's not mathematically possible. Oh, the voting block so you right. must appeal to Latinos. Right. Sign off on Asians, well, sign off on African Americans. What's the stat you, you must appeal to Latinos and what's the stat we always say? If Romney would have carried the same portion of the Hispanic vote, vote that McCain did, yeah, he would have won. He would have won. You're gonna fight, you need to fight Regardless Romney needed people. to switch two and a half million votes. Romney lost by five million votes. I mean, yeah. it wasn't close nationally. <laughs> he had to switch two and a half million votes and really probably probably significantly less than that to swing some of the states. Right. Uh, and this this goes to the GOP. What are you doing now to lay the groundwork for 2016? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2014, they might win back to Senate, whatever. They will not win a national they election. Won. They yeah. will not. Done as a national So now you've got Obama, who is backed into a corner by the activists. Okay? You promised us, you promised us, you promised us, you did nothing. You lied, you lied, you lied, you lied. His thing is, I can't do anything. Now he says, well, actually, I can do stuff. They're more bad at it than I don't know if you saw my op-ed in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Friday. I don't take the Journal-Constitution. Neither do I, but I, I have an op-ed in there about what Obama could do. We went over on our show yeah. about this before. It was funny, a friend, a friend who's not a lawyer read it, I said, I had to read it like three times to understand what you were saying, but... They had the opposing op-ed from Phil Kent, the big anti-immigration. Oh gosh! Uh, who didn't really address the issues? I mean, I'll oh. assume it didn't show him the, what I wrote. Hopefully, right. I wrote what I wrote before he wrote his. But I didn't even read his; it was just dribble anyway. But once I said that, all makes sense. Why don't some of it didn't? Even, it's just why stupid. Just do why it? are we doing that? Yes. So why, why are we, are we doing, doing that now? And so the things I suggested, which are, there's no amnesty, there's no legal. I didn't even suggest a Path DACA process. program. I didn't right. even suggest that. Not, not for for adults. Just the simple stuff like parole in place for everybody who's got a, an immediate relative U.S. citizen. Yep. Simple stuff like that to solve a lot of the problem. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, I, I think Obama's going to do some of that. Yeah. Going to sure. look like a prophet. It was funny because I wrote that. <laughs> and then in yesterday's, somewhere yesterday in Atlanta, so said, Obama needs to change the following. It's like somebody copied my article. It's just copy, copy, paste. Uh, but I mean, it's, not, it's not rocket science. Uh, I mean, it's, it's as, as I've been telling clients the last couple of days, the word on the street. La palabra en la calle. How do you say the word in Chinese, Phil? I don't know. I. Phil speaks fluent Mandarin. He's going to do Mandarin version of Chinese. He's like, you didn't know, David? Fluent Mandarin. Ni hao ma. And I said, you know, and they said, well, he said that before. I said, yeah, but he's actually going to, I actually talk to folks at the White House. He's going to do something. But Obama is inherently a coward in many ways, as far as his, <laughs> his, his boldness. 
in making change. Yes, I mean, I mean, the Republicans, their whole mantra the last five years, we hate you, we hate you, we hate you, we'll never help you do anything, we hate you. In reality, you know, maybe affect his psyche, but, I mean, he doesn't do bold things. He really doesn't. No. He doesn't really do bold things. He draws red lines in the sand. Yeah, exactly. There's no bold things. And so I don't anticipate that he'll do a bold plan, but I think he can do some stuff that will have a major effect. Yeah, anything. Um, And I don't think it's going to result in 5 million people getting work cards, but if you've got a kid who's 21 and you came here illegally... I think you might be able to get a green card for your kid, yeah, because you won't be subject to the bars because you can do it here. That's a no. So I think there are some things that he could do that he will do. The, the, the sad part is this: he's going now. He's going to wait till September. Two months ago, he was going to do it when when Congress didn't act. He was going to do it. Well, that's now. That's like this week. Congress is out of session. They didn't right. act. Oh uh, well, well maybe sometime in September. I have I have ordered my Homeland Security Chief and my. Department of Justice uh, AG, your buddy Eric Holder. That's his boy. Uh, That's David's boy. Uh, to come up with something as good as Fast and Furious. You just said oh. something racist, by the way. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I know I did. That's in the context. <laughs> as good as as good as as, as, as effective as Fast and as Furious. Effective as Fast and Furious was. I know David. That, that was a good plan. Yes, it was a good plan. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think we're going to see a minor thing out of Obama. You know, I would love for him to shock me. The only thing he shot me about is how little he's done. How yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, because he, he's no, he's not and scared of the executive action. No, he's not. And, and you know what's interesting? Oh, well, he's he's lawless. He's actually no. issued less executive orders than Bush. Yeah, he's less and less than Bush. Way less than Reagan. Reagan was like the king of executive orders. Yeah. Uh, so it's not really that big a deal what he's going to do. And he clearly has. My argument was he clearly has the authority to do these. Yeah, things. he's got the authority, and I think he's got. The, I think he's got the political mandate. Which what's going to happen? There's enough people that are against it. Uh, you know, the Republican let's say the Republicans gain control of the Senate. They might pass a bill, although with the filibuster, highly unlikely. Uh, you essentially have that majority in both houses. Rewrites immigration law and takes all discretion from the president. Never be signed by the president. Nope. Uh, and they might want to try to impeach him. Go ahead, impeach him. Whatever. Then Biden will be president. What do you think he's going to change it? Biden's awesome. president. I think having awesome. Joe Biden as president would be awesome. <laughs> Party. Let's have a party, boys! Party time! Uh, I just want to go to the same dentist he uses. <laughs> that is some seriously great teeth. Seriously great teeth. I always but they were just dentures. Yeah, you got. Yeah, they they dentures? I don't know. I think they're caps, probably. They look great, though. Yeah, but I mean, impeach him. So what? Yeah. I'm glad dare you. What's that going to accomplish? Nothing. Doesn't do anything. Nothing happens. Happens. All that would do is just polarize what, people. We'll polarize people, and you will never win a national election. Nope. And, you're, I mean, and, and you you will guarantee because then Joe Biden will become president, and you know who becomes vice president? Hillary Clinton. Why would Hillary become vice why president? Why wouldn't he? As as a bring her on as a successor? Yeah, why not? Bring her on. Oh, because he could pick. Yeah, there's no succession there. He could just he pick could, her. He could pick who that's, he wants. David is over there just salivating, thinking, "Oh, that would be the greatest thing ever." Because that's his girl. I went online Constantly posting Thousands of dollars of to Hillary Clinton's uh, Non-campaign <laughs> that's going forward This is all very tongue-in-cheek, folks Oh, David's friends are going, he did not do David's, that David's up there just turning Did red. you do that, David? <laughs> no um, But uh, I, I, I take, we're going to keep our, our ears to the ground yep. Nothing's going to happen for a couple weeks Yep. Um, uh, what's interesting is What I know is, for a fact Is they're not using their best people To come up with these solutions that the administration is not. I know they're not. They're they have last, good people? They, they do have good people. <laughs> they have good people working there. Um, 
the last thing, of course, was the ACO report that came out uh, yesterday uh, yesterday afternoon, which indicated that Georgia, the, the deep the number of cases given to ICE in the last five years has gone up a thousand percent in the last seven years. So Georgia's immigration enforcement has been a thousand percent better than it was under Bush in 2007. Mostly because of the agreements with ICE and the counties and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, let's not use the term But, but as a result, what does that, there, mean, what does that mean for us? In immigration court, what does that mean for our clients? Massive delay. Massive backlogs. And now that they're Massive prioritizing backlogs. children through there, because it's really important to deport children. I Correct. Mean, right. Really, if I'm going to deport somebody, I'm definitely going to go to the children. Kids. Uh, not criminals, just the children. Just kids. So you Because you they be, actually show up. Criminals so so don't show up. So if, if a standard guy <laughs> driving while Hispanic gets arrested, put in deportation, when is he going to have a final hearing, Rocky? Um, 2018, 19? Yeah. 20, maybe? I think I, I've seen 2018 here. Like, things go out to 2018 at this point. They may come back in. But, yeah, you're just uh, – I remember – it's funny because when I first started doing this a few years ago, I remember seeing – to 2010, seeing a hearing for 2014. I was like, what? They have – they have hearings scheduled out that far, and it, now it's—I mean, just routine. You'll see, you know, three or four years away for a uh, for a final hearing on a case. And some of our clients have benefits, but a lot of them—they're waiting for some sort of benefit that they, that they can't get because the, the the system is just that overwhelmed. In my opinion, what you're seeing here with immigration, with everything, is that we have no leadership anywhere. I agree. I, I totally I agree. agree. I, I need a party. I, I mean, the Congress, the uh, administration. Did you see Marco Rubio go <laughs> down? So Chris Wallace went after him on Sunday. Uh, we we just have <laughs> David. No there's an article you should read on my Facebook page from a rancher in South Texas. It was a fascinating article about fear and compassion. And as a rancher, a guy who experiences both on his. I don't know, ten thousand acre ranch in South Texas. It's spread, uh, but it was fascinating to because it's it's what you don't hear. You hear the Minutemen and you hear the activists on, on either side of the art of the argument, but you don't hear about the people, which represents probably ninety percent of people in America on this issue. Well, David, it's been a great week. We can't wait to be back next week on the Immigration Hour live. Okay, everybody, everybody live, on time. which is the most listened to immigration podcast in, in the, the known, known universe. universe. We are, you all will sign in as you come in, so I can keep record of who, who made it in on, on That's time. exactly right. Until next week. <laughs> See ya. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.